That's um, Joan Armour Trading and um, her song, Woman, If Woman Ruled the World, uh, There'd Be No More War, No More Hate, and lots of other stuff. I was going to put a Joan Baez on, because she was anti-war and whatever else, and I don't know whether we're anti-war today, but what we're doing here today here on uh, Community Connect, where I give you a very good morning and a welcome, is we're having what isn't recognised and has been for number of years now and we might get the number of years it's been recognized as a Viet Vet today from one of our guests today who's who's one of the historic historian type people for the area and also for the Viet Vets and he's in the studio once again that's Alan Fleming but we'll talk to him shortly um, where you're here with Edwina and Greg and it is OCRFM 98.3 and 88.7 FM along the coast and uh it's been cool again, but it's all, I had to turn the heater off because now it's got hot in here and with these two blokes going to talk hot air, plus you and me, it's going to be very warm in the studio here yeah. today. Eddie. Good morning, everyone. Yeah. It was a great trip down in the train and seeing all the water lying around and the Colac Lake looks fabulous. <laughs> yeah, someone will have to tell us when the yachts are going to get back out there because apparently when the water comes up far enough, they, uh, they'll get the yachts back out, but I'm not sure. I don't know too much about it locally. I need to learn more. But anyway, before we get going, I'd like to pay respect to and acknowledge the Gulagin people who are the custodians of the land we're on here today, and as well as the people who are the Gadabinwood down on the coast. And I'd also like to pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. As I said, today's chat's going to be with a couple of Viet Vets, and uh, it's about, well, today is, or it's the 18th is Vietnam Veterans Day, and the recognition of that comes around because of the Long Tan was on 18th of August. Well, it's some 53 years ago, 63, 53 years 53. ago. 53 years ago now. The dulcet soft tones there, you heard it, belonged to Gary Ryan, who who was into the studio here. He's come all the way from Geelong for it today. Gary, how are you? Good, thank you. Very good. And you're buddies with this fellow shuffling paper. paper. Yes, That's we spent, um, we some time, together, we spent time in basic training and uh, at Pucker and then also up at uh, Holsworthy in Sydney when we did our uh, we did our training up there. So you've known each other since when? Oh, well, uh, what what year did we go in, 13th intake? 17 July, 1968. There you go, 1968. I think we met on the train or we met at... We most only met when we ended up in our, uh, in our huts at Pucker. As, um, Didn't you do? Oh, we went. Oh, we went to Vic Barracks and had a feed there. When we got off the train, where'd you go? Where'd you get on the train from? Ch- I from got Geelong. on Geelong. Where'd you get on? Camperdown. Yeah, Camper Fle- Ellen Fleming was here. Yeah, but you would, the train would have gone from Camperdown to Geelong to Melbourne. Yeah. yeah. So you would have picked up. We got picked up in Geelong as well, but we ended up at Vic Barracks for a feed. I was severely hungover. Oh, we ended up, uh, we got off the bus, I dare say, I think it was in Melbourne, and then they bussed us straight to Pucker. You didn't get a feed? No, not that I can, re- quite a while ago, but no, no not we that I can a, recollect. We were on a, a, well, I think it was about 10.30 out of Geelong, 10.30, 10, 11 out of Geelong, we had to wait at the, uh, yeah, we waited up there. Yeah, what was it like? What was, well, yeah, we'll talk a bit about that. What was it like? You dragged out. You, did you have long hair back then? Because long hair was all a go too. Yeah, it was reasonably long, but we were we were treated um, just like anyone that was getting kicked out of the footy, I guess. Treat, <laughs> treated as we learned to expect to be treated for the next 
for the next six months. Well, I joined, uh, that was 68 we went in, but I joined the bank in 1965 after leaving school and I'd only been there about two days and the manager called me in and said, Gary, I think it's about time you got a haircut. So (laughs) (laughs) that was three years beforehand. But uh, Dear, oh dear. (laughs) So it was a bit of a different time, wasn't it? It was. It's. Uh, I was a bit. See, I'm. I was seventy-two. I think I was. A, I was April nineteen seventy-two. So I think I might have. You'd know this, would you, Alan? Alan Fleming from wherever, who's been in here before? That would have been the second last intake, I think. Oh, I'm not sure. Might have been second last, or maybe even the last. Yeah, it'd be getting close to last. Yeah. Yeah. But it was still. Yeah, everyone had the longer hair and whatever else. It was a different time, and we were all sort of thrown in together. Well, except one, we had one bloke that volunteered. He wasn't too popular. Yeah, it's, it's, it was all supposedly in the name of getting you to react uh, instantaneously when you got somewhere later in the field. But it was, uh, it got a lot worse than that. A lot of the, I believe, a lot of the trainers were guys who'd either missed out on going overseas or had come back and and had an axe to grind, so they just took it out on the rest of us. Yeah, we had one that wasn't too good. A bombardier night, I ended up, I hit him after he told me I was malingering and his sergeant by didn't even bother <laughs> taking him, taking a charge on me. He didn't like him either. No, we had a bombardier too. He was a little short guy. Yeah, this one I was. think most of them were short guys, and uh, mm. they, you know, being short, I think they sort of wanted to have something to prove they try and tower over you, but, but they didn't get very far. I'm not going to have a dig at you, Gary, but you're not, <laughs> yeah, you're not exactly the shortest, uh, the tallest bloke. But, see, the other aspect of it was 16 blokes thrown into a barracks together and most of them didn't want to be there at all, did we? That's right. No, that's right, that's right. And we're all... Um, we were from different backgrounds and, um, yeah, not knowing each other. And mm. after a day or two, I suppose, of... Uh, you sort of got an idea of, you know, the, most of the guys, I think, were country boys. I think they were country right. boys, weren't they? Well, from yeah, from yeah. down uh, Warrnambool and that, that area? Right down to Gippsland. We had, yeah. No, but we were in alphabetical order. That's yeah. how, but, well, I don't know about you, but we were, we were. We were billeted in alphabetical order and we had a couple of Western Australians with us. Yeah, I'm not sure how they allocated us. I don't... Um, Alphabetical order doesn't come to mind. It did for us. Yeah. So did we them all come out in alphabetical order instead of numerical? No, no, it was in numerical no. order. It was date, <laughs> date order. A lot of people probably still... See, a lot of people don't even know what a Nasho was, and we still don't get put on paper, you know. When they put down what we should... When your service was in some of these forms you fill out, Nasho doesn't even crack a mention. <laughs> so I think that's pretty ignominious because... Well, if you go back to what happened... And we, this is Gary probably tried to prepare for this. I know Alan does. He has copious amounts of paperwork, but we never know what we're going to talk about. Is that with Montan Day being the day that of the 521 people killed throughout the whole of the Vietnam, well, whatever you want to call it, 200 of them were Nashos. So it wasn't as though we were in there to have fun. And it was right. It was shite from day one with. The whole aspect of it really wasn't at all. Yeah, I it think was that's, from my point of that's view. pretty reflective of the of the uh, <coughs> number the, the deaths were casualties are pretty much reflective of the number of nashos in the in the services because yeah. it was pretty much to fifty percent. But uh, throughout the services were nashos. 
But, uh, but I think we were given. Well, it was. I was. Too, when I say I was too late. The Labor government got in, but you guys, what, what happened with you that you, you actually became veterans? Did you get the option or? No, 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 just our number came out and that was it. No, no, that was it for being called up. Oh, okay. Yeah, for being called, oh yeah, well, we better go oh, back you've been on that. going overseas. Actually, go back on that, Gary, we'll go back to that because a lot of people aren't aware that that's what actually happened and a lot of the young brigade don't know that. Well, the, the marbles, uh, if you go down to Phillip Islands, you'll see the barrel with the marbles down there at the, at the uh, Vietnam Veterans Museum. And the idea was that uh, I believe the, they were numbered, so it was just in numer- the numbers of the days of the year, so that you, they took a, a set of numbers for, when you, for those whose birthdays were coming up who were going to be age 20, and uh, the numbers that come out, you were... You were then uh, called up, and then it depended on if you knew a really clever doctor who said that you you were incapacitated and whatever else, and you, and you went to court and objected. You might have got out, um, but otherwise you were you were then called up. But I wasn't aware of where we signed the bit of paper to say that we wanted to go overseas. Most of us just were allocated to a certain place. Like we went into seven battalions, so we were destined to go overseas. Some of my mates actually uh, volunteered. One was in the engineers and he volunteered to go overseas uh, because he was going to get him his his, um, his housing loan. And it was he said, if I'm going to spend two years in the army, I might as well get something out of it. So he, he volunteered to get his housing loan. So he went, mm-hmm. so, some of the ones that went overseas in, in different areas that, where they would have gone over, not as a bulk group, but gone over as, as reinforcements or replacements. Then they put their hand up and, and went earlier. It's almost going as a mercenary. <laughs> well, I, it's, it's not something you sort of thought about. After I got called up, I was at the funeral of my schoolmate in Camperdown who'd been killed at the Battle of Coral. Mm. and uh, we watched the procession down the street with where everyone was three and four deep in the main street as the, as the procession went through and we went we went to the funeral and uh, it never once crossed my mind or any, there was no concern about the fact that I was going to the army it might have affected the family but it didn't affect me it just didn't it, it, it was none of this it could happen to me it, it, it just wasn't like that we were Teflon so it wasn't going to hit us and so everyone that volunteered to go overseas is what they thought was a financial benefit for the, within their two-year period. Well, they weren't thinking about anything else. Mm. Is it because in, in our world here, we didn't really understand what the hell it was about until, well, I don't think we really understood it yet anyway. I think at around 68, 69, um, that it started to come on the telly. It was the first war that was actually available on the telly in every household and that's when the the groundswell against unfortunately against the soldiers instead of the government the groundswell come against the soldiers because of some of the things they saw on the telly um a lot of it would have been the the dramatic things happening with the firepower and the americans and all that sort of stuff but it was in everyone's household mm-hmm. so uh, that then turned the tide against yeah. and when we came home we were uh, Treated we, like shit. No, we, we flew. We flew home and we landed in Sydney uh, at midnight in civvies. Uh, and but that was under orders, wasn't it? Yeah, it was planned that way. And, and <coughs> then we uh, had, we slept on the the seats with the lights on in the lounge at the Sydney Airport at the domestic terminal waiting for flight to Melbourne in the morning. There was no one to meet you in Sydney from the army. There was no one to do anything. Um, so in the morning you're in Nui Dat and then 
that night, well, there's a time change, but that night you're sleeping in your civvies on the on the seats in the domestic lounge in Sydney Airport with your um, kid. No, 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 no kid? kid, no kid, uh, and you were just unidentified as another civilian. And if anyone's anyone challenged you, you just told him you're a school teacher because you had short hair. But that um, was the whole thing that and they didn't explain it to us at the time. But that was the thing that we came in at midnight, and uh, that was just, just to um, save any any dramas for anybody else. A lot of school teachers. There'd be a lot of school teachers all coming in. Oh, well, you see, you're only coming in in perhaps 50s or 60s or 100 that come in on the plane at a time, and uh, a lot of those would be be ones that actually had contacts in Sydney. So it's, it's not the numbers that be there that were. It only only short numbers, but it was it was just the the start of the of the fact that uh, no one would tell you anything. I mean, even when you're overseas, when there was a, a major incident, mm. you wouldn't know anything about it uh, because the idea was that what you didn't know wasn't going to change your psyche, and that that happened a lot mm. that you wouldn't know what was going anywhere else. That was a, what it was right from the beginning. It was a dehumanising that was to go on, and then whatever. I've got statistics here. You said, I think it was, I've got here now, it says, Alan, and you may correct, from the war, it was 62. Actually, the final withdrawal was 75, wasn't it? Now he's, now he's testing me out here. Yeah, I, I think so. it was that there were 60,000 soldiers, men and women, who served in that war, Australians, and 15 of those were Nashos. I think there were 60, I think we had, there were about 60,000 Nashos all up. Yeah, I'm not sure on the numbers overall. So it had a big impact on our whole whatever at that time with the young blokes being taken away from from growth in a lot of instances. I think that's the other thing too, that no one, no one gives much thought to the fact that all the ones who didn't serve overseas, there's no recognition at all so that you can be dislodged from your, from your place of employment for two years and then you come home. But then you're you're still in limbo because you've you've missed your, you've missed a lot of friends you've uh, missed your promotions or whatever else, um, and you've been in this army psych for two years. But yeah. you but you then never recognised. It wasn't until the uh, medal for um, national service came out that they actually you had anything to show that you'd been in uniform. Do, you know, and that's a funny one with me. I suppose really shouldn't be airing it here, but I'm going to. Is that. I wasn't aware that I was entitled to those medals. There are a couple of medals. There's a service medal and the Nashos medal. But I, when I see you guys, and because as you're aware, I've become associated with a lot of the fellas from Viet Vet through association on radio. I'm in, not that I'm embarrassed, but I wouldn't wear those medals. I don't know why. I just don't feel adequate enough to wear them when I, I see that you've got service medals as a, national, over there. as a national serviceman you mean and not as going a national yeah, yeah. And, and not having gone overseas i yeah. find it to be an empty an empty recognition because as i say that you know we don't even get recognition in the fact that we were dis- dislodged from family from mm. whatever and i remember vividly my mum came up to pucker when mum and dad came and visited us so i think it's week three before mm. we had visitors wasn't it and uh, i was already on crutches and uh my mum cried because all she could see was a sea of everyone looking the same. There was, you know, a, a battalion, two RTB battalion was all lining the road at Puckapunyal of all these blokes that had been dislocated from their family, from their environment, all looking the bloody same with the same idiot bloody haircut, all in the same colour, 
all with downtrodden looks on their face. Of us, and most of us are lost half a kilo anyway. Mm. You've got to look at the other side, though, that uh, an army's like a town. You need a baker. You need a. You need someone in the post office. You need someone to, uh, to transport you around, so that uh, every, everyone's integral. Even even those that serve overseas. There's a lot that go overseas that don't fire a shot, but mm. the others can't survive. You, you, they all have to be there because integral part of it. And and uh, in theory, all the parts that uh, of your two years in national service should have been. Um, in some way, assisting what was what was uh, preparing everyone else and supplying everyone else overseas, so that uh, there's now a, recog- uh, a, a bigger recognition now that a veteran is defined as someone who has worn the uniform of the of the um, of the country for for one day. Uh, that's the new terminology for veteran. Uh, there was you've got to then d- divide that from what used to be called returned. So that veteran itself is is anyone who's worn the uniform for one day, and while you may not get um, uh, some of the DVA type benefits unless something has happened to you, and let's face it, a lot of guys have had serious injuries, serious injuries in that first months, two months, or whatever, and uh, they could be in a truck rollover, they could be somewhere where something else dramatic has happened. So. You can be affected in less terms, but there is this new recognition that uh, veterans are people that, you know, uh, anyone that's worn the uniform is in these days a veteran, because you see it on the footy field too. So let's not, not let's not get it all too conflicted with the rest of it. But that's that's uh, the definition of a veteran now is, is having worn the uniform for one day. All right, I'm a veteran. I'm old. I've lived, I've lived this long. We're going to have to have a break. It's a bit of a yarn here that I didn't know we were going to be having. That you. One of the things that has come through, and we love our Facebook and that sort of thing, Alan, you enjoy it as well. You sent through an ode to Vietnam veterans, a, a poem that was written by a mate of yours or a mate of ours. And uh, I'm just wondering, would you like me to read it out? And then we might have a track, or do you want to read that out? Yeah, well, I'll let you read it if you like. But uh, Barry, Barry Hurd was a radio operator, which is interesting to both Gary and I because we both carried radios. He was a radio operator on the first tour for 7 RAR. And when he came home, um, after a considerable time <coughs> in employment, he suffered severely from uh, a breakdown and went to um, Heidelberg and other places. While He wrote a lot of copious notes while he was there, and he then produced a, a book called Well Done Those Men which become got a literary award and become uh, recommended reading for schools and it's still in the libraries Well Done Those Men and that uh, gives uh, a really open uh, view of, of um, someone from the, the quieter area Gippsland who's um, gone in the army and then what's happened in his later life uh, he, he wrote this he, I first heard this uh, these odes when he spoke at the Geelong uh, veterans service in 2015 so I'll leave you with it Greg Okay now the poem is called Ode to Vietnam Veterans The communist bogey was that correct the drop of a marble so many lives wrecked not shirking their responsibility they fought to a man the tradition lives on the battle of Long Tan this experience showed them to ban war if they could but when led by foolhardy politicians, where is there a good? Then home to insults, abuse, and just get on with your life, saw this fragile young man with a stoic young wife, 
They denied him a march on Anzac Day, saying it was not a war. So did he go there to play? Then Sydney 87, a welcome home march. Sorry it was too late, as their mould was truly cast. Suicides and Agent Orange delivered such pain. Then those Pentagon papers confirmed the deceitful shame. Finally a memorial, Canberra. They attempted to bury deep grief. For most it was all too sad, so we ask one bequeath. We the forgotten would like to forget, but etched in our minds are mates, futility and regret. To this sad part of our history, just let it be said, acknowledge us, quiet veterans, never forget our dead. Welcome back to Community Connect. Uh, yeah, I didn't get a chance to tell you you're on that program with Ed Weiner and Greg McHenry here on 98.3 FM and 88.7 FM along the coast. Before we heard Red Gum and I was only 19, which quite, well, I don't like it using the terminology, but I'm going to have quite easily segued after the poem that that I read out of Barry's. And uh, yeah, there was a, I felt a bit of motive about it and... Uh, I'm sure there was a little bit of that there too. So, uh, yeah, welcome back. And we're going to talk lighter things. Really? How can we talk lighter things? We're going to talk lighter things. There are numbers that we'll be giving out. So have your pens and pencils ready because uh, there are, yeah, there may be some effect and people may want to think about uh, putting their hand up for help or say, you know, g'day or whatever to someone after they've listened to us today. But um, Ellen, we've got Alan Fleming here and Gary Ryan, his buddies. They went in together, camper down Geelong. Different trains didn't get a feed at Vic Barracks the way I did, Ed. Must have been too early. And it's uh, now about just after half past 11 here on OCRFM. Alan, it's all about Long Tan Day as a remembrance for the Viet Vets. Yeah, I think the the signature um, understanding for the years has been to um, to promote the Battle of Long Tan as as uh, an indication of, of mateship and courage and we fully acknowledge and understand for everybody else that the size of the battles are nothing compared to what we saw in World War One, or uh, and and we have no no real expectation to say that they that they do anything else but exemplify the courage and and uh, and mateship that was was there there's a few things come out of the Battle of Long of Battle of Long Tan. One is that it was by uh, there was a mortar attack the night before on the base at Nui Dat, and they sent out members of Sixth Battalion to see if they could find out um, what was out there. And it turned out that if they hadn't found this group of what appeared to be at least a thousand professional North Vietnamese soldiers, then they would have attacked the base, and we'd have had a lot more horror and um, and concern in the country. Um, we had 108 men uh, out in the in the jungle. We had a horrific monsoon, probably over a thousand well-trained uh, enemy against them. And what really was our protection was the artillery. Um, the artillery fa- fired an enormous amount of enormous amount of rounds uh, in that for- during that four-hour battle. And the movie Danger Close is is called 
It's just been released on that battle. And danger close is a, is a call uh, that indicates that you've asked the artillery to come in uh, so close to your own position that you're almost in jeopardy yourself when, when they fire the ammunition. So they were firing, um, perhaps 3,500 shells were fired that day by the Australian, New Zealand and American artillery. And uh, that's that was the, the saviour of, of of the guys. They were short of ammunition and everything else, but by and large, it was the the, the courage and mateship that kept them going. Several times in that that afternoon, everything could have been lost, and we're just lucky that it didn't. I mean, most most of our uh, history of war is the fact that someone's made a blue, and you're so close to having something horrific happen, and we're just lucky this time it didn't. So the Vietnam veterans have used that as their as their major day of recognition. Last year we we um, also recalled the Battle of Coral Balmoral, and this year on the sixth to eighth of June was the Battle of Bin Ba. It was a a smaller battle by far, but the importance was again that it was back within ten kilometres of the main base at Nui Dat. So the North Vietnamese were again amassing closer to our base. Um, there's a, a service in Melbourne on, on Sunday at the Shrine. Uh, there was one in Geelong uh, last Sunday, and there'll be a service in Warnable at 5.30 on Sunday night. Um, again, uh, the numbers, you've got to remember that the Vietnam veterans now uh, will range between perhaps age 70 and upwards of 86 Many of the veterans, um, some of the veterans would have served in World War, the last year in New Guinea, World War Two. then they've served in Korea, so that as, uh, you've got this big, long range of, of guys, so that you um, you can have someone now who's in his mid-80s who was a Vietnam veteran, so they're not all likely to be turning up at the services. Mm. And the beauty of the movie now, Danger Close, is that it's bringing the story to the, to the families. Uh, you've got a uh, a story that's you've still got many of the uh, participants uh, are around and their families can watch the movie at the same and learn better than from a book what's going on so we and then we also because of that we respect all the current veterans who've been to Iraq Afghanistan and we realize the problems that everyone is 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 having on Macca last Sunday, a lady rang in about the movie and said, my husband Peter won't be going to see the movie. He was at Long Tan, but his doctor advises his condition is not suitable for him to see the movie. It's 63 years, and his medical opinion is that he shouldn't go and see the movie because he still hasn't recovered. And there will be thousands and thousands of younger veterans who are in that same position, and they're out there. We don't know a lot of them. All their families have suffered for so long, and that's the other thing that we respect on this day is, is the respect of the families. And there, the incidence of that, people are not aware of how high it is because people do remain yeah. closeted, so to speak, don't they? Yes, there's no doubt that uh, people can go on with their life, uh, uh, take kids to sport, go and do other things, but then what happens at home uh, at night and, and everything else is just still so different and they're not going to come out and and uh, be known for it. You might be an absentee at, at, at something you're expected to be at, but that could be for that could be for any other reason, but it could also be from uh, effects of where you've been and what you've done in, in your other life. So how, you know, how important is it that, you know, like you two guys are together, you, you met back in 68, 
hadn't known each other before that knew you're able to sit here with each other now and you got that camaraderie. How does that feel to be able to, you know? Yeah, it's. Um, I think that's one of the important things that have came out of um, of that national service um, and serving overseas. Um, I mean, when we came home, we all went back to where we uh, where we'd been. Went back to our jobs, those that um, still had them, and uh, went through the normal. Twenty-year-olds grew up, married, children, um, and I think then it was in the latter years that you know a lot of guys sort of got together again or came across each other. Um, but in those early years, we were doing all the normal things, raising a family, taking kids to school. Um, it was only in the latter years, I think, that uh, many of them came together. Um, not necessarily as veterans. Uh, they might have come across themselves in other ways. Uh, but then eventually, you know, it might get around the fact, oh, yeah, you were National Service, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's, I think... Those latter years, you know, 20, 30 years after the event um, has been very important as far as coming together as a group like the Vietnam veterans, um, the, com the camaraderie, um, the friendship. We're all similar age. Some are older, of course. Um, yeah, I think it's it's been beneficial. Uh, but as Helen said, a lot of guys have... Um, have still got their issues and they, they're they not reflected in the day today when you see them. But if you're married to them, that'd be a different story. You'd know what it's about at home. And there are, even at this stage after, you know, 50 odd years, there are still some guys out there that um, uh, they just, uh, you know, want to do their own thing. They don't want to be involved. Um, they're, they're They've sort of fallen through the cracks in many ways and maybe their families are the only ones who've really known how they've suffered. And many of them now, of course, are on their own. They're out there on their own. Mm. Well, there are number. I'll give you at VVCS, or it's now called Open Arms, um, which is the... Well, I presume, yeah, that'd be the best number to give out, do you guys think, at the moment? Yes, uh, yeah. And then I'm going to ask... Alan to uh, read out a poem that he's got that I think is appropriate and then I'll be having a break. But Open Arms is for veterans and family counselling. So it's up to you, you the uh, husbands, wives, anyone can ring up because as, as we know, women went over, have been vets, uh, men are veterans, that you can give it, uh, there's a 24-hour number, 1-800-011-046. That's 1-800-011-046. And that'll get you open arms, which is for veterans and family counselling, family support. It's a great group. Edwina and I have been involved because of my, you know the way I've become, I guess. And anyway, look, yeah, don't forget that number one eight hundred zero double one zero four six. Now, on the poem that um, we're going to get you to read out, I'm going to play a track after it uh, here on ninety eight point three FM Colac and eighty eight point seven FM along the coast. It's twenty two the hour. Um, what's the name of the poem, uh, Alan? The poem is uh, Try to Understand. Okay, and it's quite relevant with what, what Gary Ryan, our other guest here in the studio here, has been talking about, uh, about some of the people out there who haven't come forward. 
And uh, but even those who have come forward, it still relates to it. So you are here with us on uh, Community Connect on 98.3 FM and 88.7 FM along the coast. And we'll be back with you after this poem and a track. Go for it, Alan. Try to understand. If he stays home alone and doesn't like to hear the phone. If he won't answer the door because he doesn't want to see anyone anymore. Try to understand if nighttime is something to dread and his sleep is restless and fleeting in bed. If he quietly gets up in the night so as not to disturb your pleasant respite. Try to understand if he becomes nervous and jumps around an unexpected movement or a sudden sound. If he sits in a restaurant with his back to the wall because he can't have anyone behind him at all. Try to understand if he shows no fear and wouldn't turn if he could. That part of him is gone that says you should. If his anger seems quick and extreme, he's only trying to control intense emotions unseen. Try to understand if he seems emotionless and indifferent some days, and perhaps he just says, go away. If he becomes depressed and may seem unkind, he's only trying to spare you the agony of his mind. Try to understand if his mood changes and alters and he becomes unsure and often falters. If he becomes sad and stares into space, he has only gone to some other place. Try to understand because he can't. A vet's cry for help. That's uh, that's stand by me, and uh, that's John Lennon, and I think it's quite appropriate that uh, that's what the Vietnam veterans are doing. And the, the two blokes here in the studio with me, Alan Fleming and uh, Gary Ryan, they are standing by each other. And uh, what's your motto, you guys, Viet Vets? Um, Is it something like honor the dead and fight, fight for the honor the honor the dead and fight like hell for the living. Oh dear, oh dear, I got you on the hop, oh didn't dear, I, oh Gary? Dear. That's Gary Ryan, he's sitting here, and <laughs> it's, been nearly, it's, uh, yeah, it's a bit... Honour the dead, but fi- honour the dead and fight for the living, is and it? Fight honor like the, hell for the living. Fight like hell for the living. And it's, uh, well, it's about 14 minutes to, 13 minutes to almost uh, midday here on OCRFM 98.3 and 88.7 FM along the coast where you're with Ed Weiner and Greg on Community Connect. And Alan Fleming is sitting back there. That was a brilliant. Uh, it's a brilliant poem. Now that you didn't tell us who the author was, and that's because no one really knows who the author was of that. Try to understand. No, the first time I become aware of it <coughs> was uh, on a handout at a funeral for a veteran, and he had it on his fridge. And much as I've tried, I couldn't find the author of it. But it was it, it had it had a lot of relevance to many people once you discuss it with them. But there are, and as was stated during the course of the, while well, we were listening to John Lennon, that there are a lot of other poems have been written and a lot of other recollections, and it's through the ages where from war to war, everything's the same. It's the same same bloody mayhem and the same same stuff goes on during and then the, the shite afterwards. People coming back. Yeah, I think that um, one of the things, it's, it's like when you look at Flanders Fields and, and those recognised poems, but um, the, the same perception's always been there from, the, from those that are participating. And uh, what we do these days, I, I think it's, 
people say, oh, we don't want to honor, we don't want to glorify war, but I think what we are really doing is is showing a lot of respect not only to the guys that went, mm. but it, we should be showing respect and compassion to the families that right through World War One, Two, Korea, there was nothing public. Everyone went home. In fact. There's uh, uh, people now in the mid-90s who still won't talk about their actions in World War II because the government told them not to when they come home and they still honour that commitment. So there's a lot, of, a lot of things being bottled up and carried by families right from, uh, right from the World War I and, and what we should always be doing is showing some quiet respect to all the families that have, that have helped these people out when no one else would. Well, it started at the Boer War, really, which is something we had nothing to do with, but we got roped into. We won't talk about Breaker Morant, will we? <laughs> <laughs> so, so things go way, way back. But it's all, you know, how do we get we get on with it now? Edwin, you made mention of the v, uh, open arms. Sorry, because I still get caught up with it. VVCS is for family, the whole deal. You, yes, if, if a man doesn't want to go, it doesn't mean his wife can't or family. So, so put the hand up and... Mm. And go through it that way. So, did you want? I'll, I'll have to give the number out again because you've said that. Now I've got to find it. Here we are. One, it's whoop, where are we? I've got it here somewhere. Other, come on, you guys. Did anyone else write it down? Uh, VVC open arms is 1800 011046. That's 1800 011046, and that's a 24 hour number. It's the one you should know too because down at Camperdown, you've got the sub branch down there, haven't you? Alan, and what other copious notes have you taken there? Because well, it's, uh, it's uh, in Camperdown, most people ring me, uh, and we've got a um, uh, support hub for the RSL works out of Warrnambool, and they they arrange home care and also uh, advocacy and things like that. So we just um, everyone that uh, contacts Camperdown RSL is gets referred down to to Warrnambool, and you'll find the same support will be in be here through Colac RSL if you're in this area. Oh, yeah. oh, excuse me. Sorry. Yeah, that's uh, sorry, <laughs> Misty, but I can't talk to you now. Oh dear, oh dear. I had that going. Apologies to all the people out there in listening land. That's a, that's. A, I had that going because we played a track off it, and I didn't turn it off. Isn't that terrible? I hope Misty, it was Misty Collins, she's going to be coming in here in a couple of weeks to talk about Overdose Awareness Day. And I did say to her that I, I was on air from 11 till midday, and it's now 10 to 12. So I did apologies there for everything. No. Where were you, Ellen? Sorry about that. That, that um, while you, the, the first base of call locally could be either, either RSLs in Camperdown or, or um, Colac. And everyone has got their own um, network set up from there to assist everybody. And the, the basis is that you're looking at um, uh, veterans, uh, families and dependent children. Um, and there's, there's a, a whole spectrum of support sitting there waiting in the local areas. The biggest problem we have is that we don't get to know the people before they become needing of our... Um, Assistance, and we'd like to get to know who's actually in the area. And uh, one of the suggestions at um, Geelong from the guest speaker on um, Invi the Invictus Games was perhaps to arrange some social coffee mornings and things like that at a, at a, a neutral position, a, sh a shop up a street, and just be able to get 
just some groundswell of, of a, a local network between veterans um, before, you know, just to get to know them and, and uh, without any... Uh, uh, without just a, just a social activity. Well, you see, the v- DVA have got their presence in Geelong now in having an, having an office there, which is supposed to make it better for the veteran. Yet, dealing with DVA, veterans still need assistance because of the nature of the beast. I think there's two parts: is the to that, and th- that's where through the RSL. Ad- advocacy groups, the support groups, uh, you don't have to be a member of RSL to get assistance and, and this assistance can be the first track on your way to putting in uh, a claim to DVA because you get a more professional approach before you get to DVA and that, that I think is the big thing and the Vietnam veterans are still the same that you can uh, contact uh, and get some assistance there it, it's too often you hear someone say, oh, I, I know what I'm entitled to, I've looked it up online. Well, I mean, there's, there's, uh, if, you, if you're going to do that, you should really be going to talk to someone else to get some assistance either way before you, before you go in and, and make an approach because the, the all, uh, a lot of the re- requests now are becoming so, so difficult to f- fulfil and uh, so all the, all the assistance is out there. You only have to just ask. We'll give a number on that one. Um, Colac RSL, they do have people who can help you there. Is it Deidre? Warnable's. Warnable's uh, well, you can give me the Warnable one. I'll give you I the phone can, number actually. for um, the RSL in Colac, uh, 52312942. They can give you a lead you in some direction there. Um, the Geelong number, uh, now, they're, they're now in... Um, the, uh, Mount Pleasant Road. Um, we actually have, well, the Vietnam veterans have an office in uh, in Mount Pleasant Road, but in Geelong we have the what we call the Surf Coast Veterans Centre where we actually have advocates. Um, they're in Grovedale, but I don't have their number, but uh, we direct inquiries, depending on the inquiries, um, the Vietnam veterans will normally direct them up to the uh, Surf Coast Veterans Centre. Um, sometimes the uh, people will say, well, look, I'd rather talk to someone at the RSL. <coughs> Pardon me. And they have people, of course, at the RSL in Geelong. Uh, Marie Jane actually is the person at the RSL in Geelong. And um, the contact at the uh, Surf Coast Veterans Centre is Sally, but I don't have a number with us. Right. Well, I've got the Geelong Surf Coast Veterans Centre, which is in uh, Griffith Street, Grovedale, is 5222-6003. That's 5222-6003. And you get hold of Sally on 5277 Zero three double one, and that's the one in Mount Pleasant Road. That's five two double seven zero three double one. Now, what numbers have you dug up there for us, please, Alan? And I'll be able to include those um, when we put up our podcast for the blog, or whatever we call it, which we've got our photo for already. So you'll be able to see what the motley crew look like later on. Contact for Camperdown RSL is my number zero four three nine double two nine six zero six. Warnable RSL double five six two four six three four 
and Deidre at Warnable RSL in the in the support centre is zero four one eight five two nine five three nine. Okay, well, I didn't have time to write all those down myself from you, Alan, but I'll get them from you so as I can include them. Um, we've got them all organised here. The thing is, put your hand up, I guess, is what you guys are basically saying, isn't it? Yes, yes, and it's uh, sometimes they've got to be encouraged by the uh, by the spouse or whatever, at, um, or their partner. Um, there are guys still out there that do need help, and uh, yes, it's a, it's just a matter of getting them to uh, to talk to somebody and starting down the path of um, you know assisting where 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 it can uh, where it can happen. And be aware, I think with the contemporaries, the um, peacekeepers and those who have been involved in uh, overseas, well, they call it peacekeeping, and Lord only knows what now. I mean, imagine what. You guys weren't even in the war, according to people from Second World War. So, what do the really old vets think of these people who have only gone away into peacekeeping? Oh dear, oh dear, I don't know. Um, that there, there's a lot of help needed in that area as well, and a lot of the young'uns coming back, and we can call them young'uns when we're as old as we are, need a lot of help and support. So, with that poem that we heard from Alan Fleming today the one about try to understand, I think it's quite relevant to all those young blokes as well. So all you young wives and husbands out there who have got a spouse who's come back or a partner come back, um, think of you and your children and try and understand, but also put your hands up for help. Thanks, Edwina, for helping organise today. It's been good. You've been quiet, but you've been good. It's been an incredible chat. What do you reckon? It has been. I've enjoyed it. Thank you, guys. So thanks, and there's been, Alan, another time to come in. I'd like to also think that there's, later on in the year, I think it's October, is uh, Vietnam Veterans, oh no, Veterans Health Week. Mm. I saw that in there when magazine came out, the vet, uh, Veterans uh, newspaper. So Veterans Health Week, is that something that you guys would like to drum up a bit of a conversation for? Because I think instead of, you know, we can talk about some of the issues that are, are available or and people who are out there to be able to help might try and get a clinician or something to come in. Yeah, well, Veterans Health Week this year, the, each each year they have there's three different themes. This year is mental mental wellness, mm. and of course it's a difficult one to promote because all the people that you want to get to see, you don't want to suggest that you uh, you feel that they they're in need of your assistance when you want to get them together for social function. So it's it is a difficult one this year. And if you had someone who was uh, able to to speak well around that subject, it'd be really good. I'll see what I can dig up because I think it's well worth trying. All right. So look, you you've been on community connections. Thank you, Alan Fleming, and thank you, Gary Ryan and Ed Weiner once again. It's uh, really very close to twelve o'clock, but I'm going to still put on a track. And it's a track called, what are we going to put on? Smiley. I hope it comes up all right as Smiley. No, it's not going to. Wait a second. I know what I need to do. I've got to change the CD over because otherwise we'll end up with John Lennon. But I want to put on it. We want to go out with something that's a little bit happy. But it is a track from way back in the 60s. And it's a track by a bloke by the name of Ronnie Burns, who I do. But he was a mate of Normie Rose and he was also a conscript. I don't think he went anywhere, but I can't. I can't let today go with Long Tan, without mentioning a mate of ours, and that's Dr. Ted Heffernan.
Um, I still see him at the footy, and he was in one of the closest areas of um, help, and he got a Vietnam medal out of all of the, the work that he did around that time, and he was there in Long Tan. So, um, yeah, I'd just like to go pay recognition to to Ted and wish him all the best because uh, he's a man I deeply admire and hope he keeps seeing me at the gym. We will talk to you again next week. It's been Greg and Edwina on Community Connect and we're ready to go now. Cheers. Cheers.